This is your host, James Jordan. Mike Wallace. Damon Sawyer, the American. Coming at you for yet another edition of the Wide World of Motorsports podcast. Coming at you on CFMH 107.3, local FM in St. John, New Brunswick. On CKMS 102.7, Radio Waterloo in Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario. And on the Performance Motorsports Network app on your smart device. As well as on demand, wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on social media at the WWOMS. We're, we're ramping it up. Great posts from Wallace during that Rolex 24. He, he penned a very good piece on the... 62nd annual race before or a little piece before the race so that was good i like that i think a lot of people like that one and let's try yeah and maybe we'll get back to you uh if you guys leave us a message whatever drop us a line you want to be on the show if you want to sponsor on the show help us out for the price of a cup of coffee you can help us these esteemed well Eggman showed it to Eggman who's not here usually he's here but you can help us four esteemed <laughs> race journalists want to continue covering racing and mm-hmm. bringing you the news from the track to your community so reach out to us there or our email wideworldofmotorsports at gmail.com we're recording to you for the week of January 28th. This is season seven, episode three. And three this for is the week. Yeah, you know, that's one of the. Yeah, sure. That's I got to do the three. You got to put the three up. You got to put your hands up. Remember when they did that when it was oh, lap yeah, three? Lap. They used yeah. to always do that. Um, yeah. Back back in the day. Mm hmm. It's coming up, the anniversary for that. It's And just about to say, it's around that this time of the year when speed weeks are coming into play. We're going to be seeing the Clash coming up. And it's crazy. You get the Rolex, you get the Clash, you get the 500. Well, I think it's Super Bowl, mm-hmm. then 500. Um, but yeah. we it really does kick off yeah. with the Rolex 24. And also... Damon, you were saying off air the one that you wanted yeah. to give a shout out to. There's another endurance race during the Rolex. Not usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's not balls. usually. So the the other, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. Well, we had last year. We had a couple yes, incidents where a couple different <laughs> yeah, couple different. Endurance series kind of went together on the same weekends, but no. So the uh, Hankook 24 Hours series, which is more geared towards pro am drivers, there are some pro lineups. They were supposed to run at the Dubai Autodrome in like three weeks ago, but due to international events that are beyond our scope of coverage, caused shipping <laughs> delays to Dubai, which forced the the presenters of the race to push the event back to this weekend along with the the Rolex so several teams actually dropped out of the race because they, of course like they had crew or they had manufacturer support that was going to be tied up with the 24 hours at Daytona now i didn't get to see much obviously of the race because well we was watching you know Daytona but uh, the overall winners 
of the Hankook 24-hour series at Dubai was an Audi, an Audi R8, which has basically been kicked to the side in all major endurance race platforms because of Audi dropping all their manufacturer support for everything. But, you know, like we talked about last week, Dakar and Formula One. So the winning team had five drivers, most notably Marcus Winkelhock, uh, Christopher Haas, Simon Richter, Mike Zhao, and Gilles Magnus. So that was the winning team. And they had number 54, which is my personal favorite number. So that's pretty cool. So just want to give them a quick shout out. And then also, if you go on to their Facebook page, they had a video of a crew member who was helping with a driver change with a boot on his foot. He had a fractured foot, but that wasn't going to stop him from helping on a pit. They have much different pit uh, rules, regulations, because it's more of a relaxed series in terms of like pits and whatnot, because there's a lot of am things going Mm -hmm. on. So the guys are in their shorts and a T-shirt. There's no refueling allowed in on the pit road. So it's a lot less dangerous in those in those terms. So but that was pretty cool to see a guy with a with a boot on his foot doing doing some work with the car and the car was pretty cool too with the the way the capsule opens up on the cockpit but yeah just gonna give that oh, a quick wait, shout out was it we got to Rolex. Was it, it was might have been yeah it was either ktm or so there's a couple teams that run like these weird looking cars so like experimental it doesn't oh. say that it's it doesn't say exactly what it is but it's probably a ktm yeah, yeah this guy's standing right in the way where the yeah, that one of those crossbows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if that's a crossbow, but I think it's one of those custom cars. There's a couple. There's like a French manufacturer of like custom cars. I don't know their name. That has they run in that series. They're pretty. They're pretty chill about that. But it's a yeah, it's yeah, a cool looking car. It's, it's actually it, it, it. They run what GT3 cars. Uh, they run Porsche Cup. They run a TCR class. And then mm-hmm. they, they got something else in there. I can't remember. A GT4s. They have GT4s, GT4s GT3s. Right. Yeah, Porsche Cup. And they have like an experimental class. And then the, T- the touring cars, TCRs. And then experimental class for just like weird things that just yeah. try to, you know, fill out the field, whatever. They're kind of, they're almost kind of like Trans Am a little bit here in the U.S. Like the, the TA series, they've expanded to put a bunch of different cars in to kind of fill the field. They're kind of the same way in that form so it makes for an interesting mix of cars so you know when you do get to watch it on like they always podcast on youtube it's it's interesting yeah it is a cool track and the track's actually quite unique uh uh, it's pretty dark actually at night that track and typically actually Mm -hmm. experiences more nighttime running than any other 24-hour race uh i i not this year. I think Daytona, Daytona took that. By, I think they have 13 hours. They had 13 hours this year of darkness. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty unique race. Pretty unique racetrack too. It's kind of like Raven right City. Know. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, I guess that's why they call it the Autodrome. And I didn't get to watch any video, but last year there was a Mercedes. So the Mercedes have cool lights on them. I don't think they do this in IMSA, but they have lights running up across like the hood and the top of the door so like you can see that car forever like on a wide pan in in this series which i think is really cool looking they have the lights extending there where is an imsa they i think they just have it in the grill whatnot i don't know if it's a regulation or whatever but they should let them have the lights on the top of the door if if they don't let them because i think it looks really sick 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. That's cool. Let's um, let's get into the actual legitimate endurance race <laughs> this weekend. Oh, um, peanut gallery. Here we the go. The main again. one. The main one. The main one. Yes. Good one. Yes. It was pretty entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, it started mm-hmm. off with a bang. That's for sure. And you guys were talking about uh, the benefits and. Uh, also, the negatives too of all the full course yellows. For some of the viewers like myself who are into the entertainment value, the idea of putting them all together, uh, seeing them race close, that's uh, obviously when you get 20 minute yellows, when all the cars got to pit and catch, up, catch back up to each other and whatnot. That kind of takes away from that entertainment value. So it depends how you look mm-hmm. at it. You yeah, know, I I would say, that, but it's such a an American. I think for the the viewers that wa- have watched IMSA in particular for a long time, or or a North American uh, road racing full course cautions and getting wave arounds and stuff like that is is very very normal um it's very different in europe and and uh, but i get what you what you mean by sometimes it seems like oh my goodness we're just wasting time getting around but i guess with what 59 cars um that's a lot to organize yeah i think like within 6 hours in they're already at the amount of cautions they were the year before. Um, there was a few more throughout the night. I, I didn't catch as much as I wanted to. I tried to stay up and watch it. But, yeah, where do you um, where do you want to start here? You Obviously, at the, let's start at the, the start. fact that it lets the biggest crowd, you see the biggest crowd ever going into mm-hmm. the beginning of the race. You, you see a packed grid. Uh, both with fans and cars. Really yeah, cool. and, and potential weather coming in too. There was a, there was a, they're looking at the radar here and there throughout Always. the race. Always. I think one of the other things to really highlight in this series is the manufacturer involvement. I mean, not only in, in the top mm-hmm. prototype class, uh, GTP, but you, <laughs> I'm wa- watching GTD. Uh, we're going to lump that together for most of the conversation and then we'll split it off when it matters. So uh, the GT3 cars, they, um, they, they, uh, watching like a Mustang race, a Ferrari race, a Corvette right. race, a Lamborghini race, you know what I mean? It's a McLaren, a Port, like it's just All your it's dream so cars. fantastic. Yeah, it's great to see. It I love truly- that Mustang. I was really impressed by it, its looks as well. I don't think the performance really was was there. I would say that with the Corvette as well, well. But well, I mean, so that's something they touched on throughout the event, and they think it might have something to do with that wing. So I don't know if we want to if we want to save this for later, but you know, if we're going to talk about the Mustang, that was one of the issues that they had was they hadn't ran in traffic, so yeah, they didn't yeah. know how it was going to perform. And then as people saw throughout the event, they had issues with the deck lid. The air, the turbulent air was popping open the deck lid and 
combination of that and the amount of lateral movement that the wing had as the the announcers said that that's probably affecting the speed because it's affecting the stability of the car so that like it was they were they were there they were top five for in both divisions of the gtd for a lot of the race until they they started losing laps near the end there but you know the the raw speed i think is there but yeah it's just that wing they've got a they need to look at the bmw like they had made mention that the arms on the 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 wing was was longer than a lot of cars but it they ran side by side with the bmw or yeah and it looked pretty similar to me the length of those brackets holding the wings up so maybe take a closer look at that car it is interesting really interesting where how the the rear wing struts come out from that car like they don't go into the trunk uh right underneath it there's um just on a sidebar one of the cars actually the the i think it was maybe the ford gt the the actual uh struts would come up and grab or no it's the audi they come up and grab the wing from behind so not to disturb the air at the front but these ones they come out the back window which is like they i don't it just seems like there's a whole lot of uh, tension and torque and pressure on 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 them sticking out that far but yeah i never actually thought about the the oscillation back to forth back and forth i mean speaking of new car issues but uh the corvettes i mean they had an issue that i believe it was the awa it was car yeah. had issues before we even saw the green flag. I don't think they ever did. They ever determine what their issue was? Fuel pump, I believe it was something to do with like the yeah the fuel pump. I'm pretty sure. Ah man, that that's unfortunate. But see uh, again, I think and the commentators touched on on it as well. A bit kind of the same idea as the Mustang, where the Corvettes that was their very first race and the first time they ran in traffic. So um, they they seem to have a few problems rear their heads as well. Yeah, which is, of course, typical. And actually, so we had mentioned on the last show, we weren't sure if the Lamborghinis were a new Evolution new car. The Aston Martins were actually a new car. And they, I didn't hear too much about them throughout the race they did talk to like roma d'angelis and and guys a couple mm-hmm. times but those cars didn't seem to do too well i know like the magnus racing car which is running in ash martin they dropped out like a halfway they had damage from an incident but like mm-hmm. i think i think Aston martin's like were last the the first couple last positions in the gt i don't do the accents whatever that's but even that's surprising because they're usually pretty quick there yeah, they, they they might they might have a little bit of work to do, but I think they flew under the radar of their struggles because, of course, they were brand new GT3 cars with with the Corvette and the Mustang that that kind of right. overshadowed that. Yeah. So, um, getting into the race, like, what did you think of of the the, the those cars, Jordan? What did you think of the first hour of the race? You reminded me of iRacing. It was pretty funny. Actually, it did it did a little bit. Um, it was quite comical. Uh, not comical. That's wrong to say. Um, there was a couple of Canadian guys that were out in the first couple of hours. Oh, and Misha Goldberg indirectly, indirectly. Uh, first thirty-five minutes, they had uh, cautions. I think it sucked seeing when uh, Hinch's team had their misfortunes. 
it was all talk on the box on NBC about how great Ascent would be. And then within like an hour or so, they had like a, I forget what their <laughs> issue was. They're already back yeah. behind the wall or something like that. They so, had, I think they were having axle front, axle yes, front spindle yes. issues. Um, I mean, we even saw, so Damon and I joked a bit about it to the, the, uh, the curse of the Lexus, uh, that we put on them and we saw the first Lexus, the pro Lexus get taken out on a, on an wayward, uh, wide running P2 that spun across the track and, and left, uh, I'm not sure who was behind the wheel of that car at the time, but he, I think it was, um, it was a high class racing car. I don't remember yeah who the driver was. Yeah, it was, who was that early in the, the, the race. Was that the one? Oh, on the it bus was. Stop? No, no, that was, was the one coming at pit at pit exit. Yeah, um, yeah, that was. Oh God, uh, Conway maybe. Uh, yeah, it might have been. Yeah, yeah, he has not had any luck in GT cars. And then, 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 not too long after, we had that that kerfuffle going into the bus stop of two or the the Lamont chicane where the two prototypes collected yeah. each other and the P two cars. And then the third P two car just decided that he wanted to join the party. It looked cool <laughs> over there. Um, well, that happened first. Then that accident happened. That's right. Okay, that's right. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Yeah. I, 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 they dodged some of them. They happened so close there. together. The bus stop was is always a a fun thing to handle in the twenty four. Well, we I'm know. surprised yeah. they were running so hard onto each other so quick. Uh, doing like they weren't even within the first hour of the race, like over an hour of the race. So right, it's kind of I don't know what they were thinking, but sometimes it's just not thinking hot, right it was it's not hotter than not, yeah, and, yeah was... and maybe they're just not really they're thinking that each other are going to give each other the space and then they both don't give each other the, the space there was a couple of instances where i saw some guys go through the dog leg uh too wide and they they made it uh there's a <laughs> lot of good driving though too as much as they were driving ballsy they're racing professionally and and uh clean and it was it was a good well i was watching the peacock stream so it was good on that end it was yeah um, yeah. all that all those battles we saw so we saw the gtp uh cadillac of of pippo durani and action express just i mean took over that race from the drop of the green flag, right? They just, they were so quick in that hot weather. That's kind of why I thought we'll get to it. I thought they were really going to be, be a handful at the end of the race, but uh, that, that, that Cadillac in particular looked like the, the car to beat early on. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Them and the chip nasty car. It was right up there. The the Audis or not the Audis side of the the Acuras they were a little off they had more weight they had a bit more power but they had a bit more weight and that was definitely affecting them and the the Porsches and the BMWs were both kind of in the middle they were they were right there but you know they weren't the dominant looking force that Cadillac was looking off the bat no and those um the the I don't know what why the Acuras were so off pace. Uh, obviously, the first 
Acura, the number 10, had issues, uh, parked it. Uh, Felipe Albuquerque behind the wheel parked it at, at the Le Mans chicane, uh, complaining of stuff burning. So I don't know what they determined it fully was, but they tried to get back into the race, but eventually retired. Um, yeah. It was, they were carrying 92 pounds of BOP weight. They had a little bit more power to like balance that, but they were the heaviest of the four DPI cars, G- GTP cars. Really? So that was, yeah, so that definitely had a big, big effect, you'd have to say, because I always imagine the Acura as being like the lightest, kind of like because they have the twin turbo V6. So like, I obviously that's got a ton of torque, but it's probably doesn't have the torque that the, you know, the V8s have, I would imagine. So, you know, having, yeah, I mean, you might have more top end power, but if you don't have that bottom end oomph to carry the extra weight, that's going to affect. And they said what their fastest lap was like seven tenths slower than the other three cars. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's very much, it reminds me of the Mazdas. The Mazdas were like that, right? They were really good at like a track. I don't know, like Lime Rock or even CTMP. Because it was high speed, yeah. quick, Watkins Glen, smooth, quick, fast. And then when it got into yes. these, these, uh, tracks where it needed that grunt to get out of the corners like a long beach or a, a so it just doesn't have the power maybe it's surprising because wayne taylor and the, that crew I, I would say that daytona is their track so this was very uncharacteristic although they were looking at a podium finish with the number 40 the sister car um for a little bit before that last um the last couple full course cautions when once there, some other cars got back on the lead lap um one of the things that was really surprising to me or that I saw a lot of that was affecting good top drivers was cold tires out of the pits. Um, we saw oh, Kevin yeah. Estra drive, go right off, luckily not into the barrier, but I would say that kind of, that is what put them fully, that probably helped pretty, uh, really put them out of contention for the race. Well, they had that problem with the overboots. Like, he, he wasn't helping the situation because they, they had to pit more than like any other team. Yeah, like two or three penalties for too much oh. energy use, right? Yeah. Anyway. The, they think it was a sensor that was possibly like reading wrong. But at the end of the day, the car was not, was, was putting out more power from the hybrid than it should have. It was kind neat of thing. following the energy so, use on the website there, on the IMSA website. Yeah, it, it's an it's an interesting feature. The People think it's a bit gimmicky school. that this whole energy um, usage and you only have so much per stint and you have mm-hmm. to pit to refuel it. Um, I actually oh. like it. The WEC, WEC does that. Like that was they have that on the. I didn't see that during the regular broadcast for for the IMSA, but the WEC. Well, when sorry, they broadcast, they, don't, they show that. Yeah, so they don't have a... I guess they don't have a particular refueling of energy. That was last year. I, I do remember them running that more, but they did talk about it. I think they have an energy usage per... I don't, I don't know what the gauge is, per stint, per... So if you go over that... Um, you know, you'll get penalized, but you have to pit to recharge it. Like you can't, you don't just get extra th- energy once you go over uh, the time, right? I'm. 
I'm not. I, no, I believe. I believe what it is is it's literally just their like their how much fuel they have, but because they're using the hybrid to like assist with fuel mileage, they just call it energy. So I, I honestly, I think that's all it is. Like because last year in WEC, because they had the same you know same concept, but they had two cars that had no hybrids. You know the Glickenhaus and the yeah yeah and the Vanwall. Same, but they use the same graphic and the same stuff for them. So when they say energy use, it's just basically their fuel. Like how much fuel do they have left? How much energy? I think they're just. Yeah, exactly. And then they, but they refuel it back up and you can only do that in a pit stop, right? You can't, you can't just refuel it while you're driving because it's reset or something like that. Like, well, so they they harvest with the hybrid, they harvest like same as like the Kurs system in Formula One on under braking and under deceleration. So they that's how they recharge that. They don't no, recharge the No, no, the I know that. It's it's like it's a fake. It's um if you know digital slot cars like Carrera, you can program them for pit stops. So as you race laps with the slot car, the cars will actually get quicker because they simulate fuel load loss where the car gets lighter, but you have to pit the car for fuel energy. It's just, you have to sit there for three seconds while the fuel virtual, I'm doing a lot of air quotes. You can't see it. Doesn't really work. Dr. Well, it, yeah, well, it, yeah nice. right. Like it, energy um, <laughs> to fill it up. Like I, I understand how they recharge it. I think it's just a, I feel like it was something to add to the viewer or add to the race, like something, oh, they can't burn so much energy, but it maybe hasn't panned out, or maybe I'm really uh-huh. just mixing up the weck. Like, I understand how they redo it, but I just mean, I if they only have so much energy per stint, if they run out of that energy, they have to pit to get more back. Right, like before they're allowed more usage. So if they're only allowed 300 kilowatts per stint, if they use 300 kilowatts in half of the stint, then they have to run the other half of the stint with no extra energy until they pit and they get refueled virtually. They're now allowed to reuse that energy or do they only get so much energy for the race? might be something worth looking into because I don't have an answer yeah. to that because my understanding is that like those numbers are kind of uh, contrary they're just like you see that and it's, I think it's calculating fuel usage on top of that uh, but yeah that might be something worth lo- worth looking into we should now I'm kind of yeah. interested we should look into that how about uh, we yeah. just uh, went on a let's, big tangent and let's just talk about, uh, about all of our listeners let's talk about hour 12 and getting into the morning hours and, and uh, the end of the race. We've got 10 minutes on this segment. Well, we saw the Porsche really pick up the pace uh, through the midnight hours. Yep. We had the one uh, Cadillac drop out overnight. Both BMWs had issues, so that dropped them out. I mean, Porsches racing, were hanging right? in there. The Cadillac. Well, they dropped out. Well, the, no, yes. they run Acuras. No, they 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 have an Acura. They have an Acura. Okay. No, the 
the Chip Ganassi car had tire issues and then it caused like further damage to the car oh, so it dropped out overnight issues. yep <laughs> yeah so yeah and then the bmws fell back like 15 or so laps and then overnight we lost also the lmp to Liger. just throw that out there but they did make it over halfway so that was good for them but yeah by the morning porsche was looking like the dominant car the penske porsches like we had kind of mentioned you know this you know was this going to be their year did they underperform last year well they were kind of coming to the forefront now as daylight was rising yeah um they were they were the the other ones were the i lost my train of thought the the privateer porsches were also seeming to pick up pace and make up ground through the night um i noticed that once it started to get hot it, the porsche was really it seemed like that car is very temperature sensitive uh meaning like when it gets hot out it just doesn't really want to be uh optimum i guess is the best way of putting it <laughs> they mentioned that on the nbc broadcast that that car is a very narrow operating window for like performance in terms of temperature yeah. The car, so talking about the Ford and how they may have got that that wing design wrong, it that to me is very surprising, and and this would be very surprising to me about Porsche that they could they could kind of make this type of mistake. I, I, they just seem better than that. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean. It... That, that could be a whole nother section on just engineering and, you know, like <laughs> everything that they put on the car, like it's got its optimal windows and just the, the culmination of the pieces and then how it works with the tires, the aerodynamics, like, you know, they just have a narrow, more narrow operating bands for peak performance than maybe some of the other cars. But when they hit it, they hit it, you know, I guess it'd be one way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, that's Porsche usually is is outstanding i mean they won the race <laughs> we're, listen we're kind of critiquing them i guess and and they won the race <laughs> uh, not outright but i would say that felipe nasser drove that car pretty pretty to the point in the last half an hour oh he's he's proving to be like one of the dominant prototype drivers like he drove that the wheels off the cadillac the last couple of years and then now driving for the yep. porsche team yeah he i mean he was a formula one driver and he was not a bad formula one driver unfortunately he drove for sauber when they were not that great so which i Agreed. guess hasn't really Agreed. changed much but yeah you know same same timeline as like you know camille kobayashi and a couple of those guys so you know never really got a fair fair swing at it but yeah he is a he's a hell of a driver so, I mean, wrapping that up, we we see Penske and, and the number seven Porsche with Felipe Nasser, Dane Cameron, who has been in IMSA forever and has never won that race. I couldn't believe that. Um, Joseph Newgarden and uh, who was the fourth driver in that car? Oh, my goodness. Ah. Oh. Matt Campbell, uh, yeah. <laughs> who is a who is a all star in his own, uh, won the race for Roger Penske. Who hasn't won it since the '60s? Like that's insane. Right? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's been so long. And then looking at the other classes, so I have to eat some crow. Yeah. I I'd made I had made a comment. Now I had made a couple comments about the LMP2 series, and I was proven right on a couple of them. I said that they would be yeah. interesting, and it, there was a lot of action. They caused a lot of the accidents yeah. in the first half of the race. I also said that Tower yeah. Motorsports would would look pretty good, and they you know they finished fifth, I think, overall in that class. But they definitely stormed back from the end. But so I. So first of all, I got the guy's name wrong. I called him Sean Merriman because of the football player. It's actually Dwight Merriman. Mm. You know, he did his job and, you know, he had some amazing teammates that carried that car. You know, Connor Zilich and Ryan Dizel and Chris Christian Rasmussen. But the but the the job of the AM driver is to just have a solid stint. Don't crash it. And you know what? Dwight did an amazing job of that. So hats off to him. He made me look like an idiot. Hopefully, hopefully you continue to do that and you don't regress and crash twice during Lamar week again. Uh, but yeah, so definitely got to get that in there. That <laughs> no, that was a that was a that's a t- tough class. The it was shocking to see. Um, it was actually shocking to see the destruction that class had for the <laughs> the. That's the driver lineups that were there. Listen, we had we had IndyCar drivers and IndyCar champions. We had F1 drivers, former F1 drivers in that class. We had Cars Tour drivers, Connor Zilich, which I, I mean, uh, you know, colored me impressed with that kid driving that that's car. The guy that's with Jackass. Yeah, yeah. He, so he yeah, did his oval racing. He well, he no, he's a road course driver by heart. He he did oh, Trans Am last year. Yeah, oh, he he did, he? He, he did oh, Trans Am the last couple years. No, no, he no. So last year, just real quick, a sidebar on this. So he's the first driver in Trans Am history to start on pole, lead every lap, and win the race in his TA debut. He ran a car at VIR. And he he swept it, and then he won the TA two race, which is what he ran in the whole season last year for Silver Hair Racing. Wow. But yeah, in his first race for the big okay. the big TA cars at nine hundred horsepower, pull let every lap, won the race. Dominant. He's, he won well, by then, like a minute or something crazy. Wow. So yeah. so that's a, that makes sense a little more sense. Although this is a high downforce car, and that Trans Am car would not be any downforce. But um, and then we have. Uh, Risi Competizione winning in GTD Pro, mm-hmm. which is absolutely amazing to see. That team is is a staple in the IMSA paddock. And Giuseppe Risi, you saw him there with his hat sitting on the pit wall, just listening to the to the team communications. Yeah, that was the one series that didn't really have much competition near the end. The Paul Miller BMW was going to be there, then they had brake issues and caused other issues. And that mm-hmm. Porsche, the the Rexy, that was that finished second. They were a lap behind, but they still finished second. But yeah, the the Ferraris, they looked good in both both classes for GTD. Yeah, and then we had uh our our man, our Canadian driver, uh, Daniel Morad, bringing Windward Racing to victory. Uh, that's Daniel's second uh, Rolex. Uh, I thought it was his third, mm-hmm. but I believe it's his second. Um, previously winning with, I think, Allegra Motorsports. Possibly. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I couldn't tell you that. But yeah, you had 
Philip Ang and Stephen Ellis, and I don't remember who the fourth driver was, but let me tell you, Windward Racing, they won their debut race a couple years ago at Daytona. That team is incredible. They, they've already built a brand new shop. They mentioned on the show that they should have built a bigger shop than what they did with this brand new shop. They have come out swinging just from like nowhere in the last couple of years. And they, they have become a really powerhouse team in GTD. Yeah, they came, they came out way. of um, running in the IMSA Michelin Pilot uh, series a lot, running GT4 Mercedes and stuff. Uh, that team really has stepped up. This has actually really proved what the, the ladder system is for in IMSA. Um, I don't know. What would you guys think like of this race? Was it, a, was it a good race? Does it go down as a classic? One of my favorites in the last few years, when I woke up this morning and I was peeking on the TV once every hour I tried, maybe le- maybe every half an hour, it was like interrupted sleep, peeking for that rain. I don't know why I'm a sucker for that, but that didn't change the outcome of anything. <laughs> Wish the Canadians did a little better personally. And <clears throat> overall, uh, love as I always love the broadcasts, uh, both the IMSA and the NBC broadcasts. Yeah, I thought it was a good race. I don't think it was like the closest like classic ever. You know, even like last year they had the you know the P two cars like a Daytona style NASCAR finish, but it was close racing. Three of the four classes, you know, they had multiple cars on the lead lap, and the GPP did come down to the last couple laps. You know, traffic killed any chance for the thirty one car to get there, but it was definitely a solid race. You know, there was no crazy wrecks, which was good. You know, there wasn't anything too scary. It was general attrition and yeah it was i think it was a very solid race will it you know with some good debuts for drivers and teams and cars so it was clean i think honestly it was a pretty clean race overall everything considered even though there's a lot of incidents a lot of them were spins or cars stopping on track only a couple actual like car wrecked out of the race incidents so yeah i think it was good overall fans got their money's worth Lots yeah, I too. thought it was a great race. I yeah, for sure. Uh that was great to see. Uh I thought it was entertaining all the way through. There were so many strategies. There was yeah, maybe GTD Pro near the end, maybe the last hour, last two hours wasn't as competitive, but there was actually a good competitive stretch in that in that class. Um you know, this is this is a good showing for for this series and uh yeah, it was a great race. It was Great to see the captain uh, in victory lane and see him actually quite emotional. Was was you don't see that from the captain that much. So uh, so that's how important this race is. It's hard to believe he's eighty six. He gets around so well. He's taking such good care of himself. It's impressive. Uh, as we wrap this up here, you got a minute. Want to talk about what's up next in the IMSA world? Sebring. 12 hours of Sebring in March. Yep. March, yep. And then uh, 12 hours. And we should see the Lamborghini. Oh, yes. But we should see the Lamborghini hypercar GTP, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) at Sebring. Okay, cool. And what about the Mustang Challenge? I heard them talk a bit about that on the broadcast. That sounds like it's going to be something cool. You're going to have a big mix of experience in that series you're gonna have a lot of young guys and older guys and a lot of different types of talent coming into that series i think when a manufacturer 
decides to put that kind of investment and effort behind racing or in our sport, uh, it's a good thing. Yep, I would pair at that. Yeah, we will keep our eyes in the sports car world on the WAMs. For everyone joining us on CFMH 107.3, local FM in St. John, New Brunswick, and in CKMS 102.7, Radio Waterloo, and Kitchener Waterloo, and the PMN app, as well as on all streaming services. We were just talking about the IMSA Rolex 24, and now let's get into the clash. And I'll stop. The- oh, oh, hold, hold on a second. So before we go on to the clash, I got I was just checking my notes, and I realized I just messed up half the Windward Racing what? team lineup. It's good. It was actually Daniel Morad, Russell Ward, Philip Ellis. You're fine. Yeah, uh, I said Philip Ellis and Philip Eng. Philip Eng is a driver, but he's not with Windward Racing. I think most of these guys have been in that lineup since the beginning. So my, okay. my mistake on that. That's so, good. Right, we can. That's good to be clear or thorough. Uh, yeah, thorough. Yeah. yeah. You guys might be fake news, but I'm not. What, what is that noise? So you guys just start without me now. Oh. Oh, Eggman! Oh, hey, oh, he's alive. You can whenever you want. Joining apparently. us mid-show, or almost at the end of the show, the Eggman here. Well, better late than never. There you go. Yeah. Well, we need our protein. We were just uh, getting into some Rolex talk. Now we're going to get into the Clash. So I mean, might as well <laughs> stick around for the next uh, end of the show for that. Yeah. So we're we're already kind of already at that time of the year. Where we're starting up the NASCAR season. It's the most wonderful time. For some people. Last week. Of the year. The Rolex could yeah, have been. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it's been, actually, it started like right after uh, New Year's with like we had all that dirt racing. Anyways. Right. Well, I guess really now with Rolex Clash and then Super Bowl in Daytona for any sports entertainment fan, this is uh, this, yeah, it is one of the most wonderful. Yeah, busy month. Yeah, it's a busy month of sports. Lots of stuff going on, and with the Clash returning to the Los Angeles Coliseum for what this is the third year for the Clash. It's going to be great. I can't wait to watch MGK at <laughs> the, the half. At the half, Ugh. it's gonna be great. It's gonna be amazing. Oh, yeah. Listen, mm. nobody yeah. said we could do it. We did it in three days for three years. Wow! It would be cool to see wow. if if it went to some other kind of uh, venue for, especially. I, I think they could treat it like the Super Bowl, right? Where if you can race it in a goes stadium, to a different city. Yeah, there's year. stadiums everywhere, and if you can fit on the. The ground floor Stadiums, of the stadium, parking lots, anything. There's anything everywhere, right? You could do it inside. You come. How about this NASCAR? How about you come up to Toronto? You rent the Sky Dome. They could. You the, the track would be just about big enough. Gas out, yeah. right? Wouldn't it? It'd be perfect. It'd be perfect. Really they, want they've in there before. Like they're gonna like they're gonna take NASCAR. A little, yeah. Well, now we're just getting to some pipe dreams here. But <laughs> so, speaking of the threes theory. And this is a big Wally. I've heard Wally talk about this before over the years about uh, the things in threes. And I don't know if we've seen an extension from NASCAR and the city of LA or the Coliseum or whatever. Not sure if we're going to see Clash at the LA Coliseum after this race. I, as a quote unquote racing and motorsports expert, cannot tell you. Do you guys have that yeah. info? <laughs> 
No one has that I, info. I don't. I don't, so, I don't know. <laughs> sounds, if these guys don't know, then it sounds like it's probably not. It's probably actually and, up in and the and air. If there was anyone to it. know, it would it would be us, right? Yeah, so, right. The <laughs> we know. Official. We know. We would have heard. So yeah. yeah, I mean, depending um, on how things go this Sunday, we're going to see how it's going to potentially be set up for the 2025 clash. You mentioned that there's rain in in the. In the cards. I, I just saw an article. Matt Weaver just posted it. Look honestly, right not long till we got on here saying that NASCAR has a very short window to get the race in. Uh, looking like, uh, you know, we're, we're what, six days away for five, five days away from the actual race. So anything can happen. Mm. That's weird. Showers it would be a weird all week. To, it'd for, be weird um, to, yeah. I mean, which is really weird because it's. I don't see what the weather. problem is. They've got the wet weather tires, and they ran them right. in North Wilkesboro, they would, and they go like five miles an hour on this. Yeah, track anyway. you think it'd be perfect. I don't think there's anywhere for the water to go here. Like I, th- I think that's it because it's not mm, a real race track. Not it's an track. There's no, no, no drainage. Maybe in the same way. What's weird, Thomas? You know where you wouldn't have these kind of problems at a purpose-built racetrack. But that's <laughs> that's an argument for another time. Like the thermal club. Double header with IndyCar, the Thermal Club. Anybody? Oh, you know, I hate that race. I yeah. hate everything about that race. <laughs> I, I just don't topic. think. I just don't think this configuration works well, uh, especially with this this car's short track package problems. I just don't think it's working well because the turns. Mm-hmm. I feel like the straightaways don't need to be as curved as they are, and the corners don't need to be as sharp as they are. I think it's bowl shaped, so like the walls on the outside of the what the grandstands are are curved so they're kind of stuck with that well so i, don't I, think I that, get I don't, it but yeah. then there's other places to hold races no, than i mean a football stadium. I mean, they always say location 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 they could have solved that i i get it i agree with thomas i don't i feel the the curve the curve straightaway i think is set up to help the car arc the corner as well in this instance i agree with thomas this is the wrong car would have loved to see this race with the gen six uh, I would have loved to see this race with the Xfinity car, Nationwide car, whatever it is right now. Well, we'll see um, with the NASCAR Mexico series. Those are kind of uh, different style bodies. Those are, I, I believe, it would probably be a bit of a mix. I feel like a mix between the Euro series and the NASCAR. I think, yeah, they kind of do look like that, don't they? Yeah. They look more like a late model than the Euro cars do. The Euro cars look more like our our NASCAR cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, uh, Daniel Suarez is supposed to run in that in in that Mexico race series race too. What and is what the name about of that series? The NASCAR Mexico NASCAR series. Mexico. Yeah, okay. just just kind of like how it is now for here in NASCAR um, Canada series. Yeah. Um, so what about the? Just follow that with obvious. <laughs> what about the testing of the EV? That's going to be interesting to see. Their new uh, crossover sports EV. Not sure how I feel about it. They've been testing it recently, I believe, over the fall and winter at Martinsville. Who was the driver that they're getting to test that? It was David, David Reagan. Wasn't it yeah. David Reagan? Yeah, yeah. So, so I understand that automotive technology is progressing and there's nothing we can do about it. But at the same Don't make time, an excuse for this car, Thomas. <laughs> Do not make an excuse for this car. But, but I'm okay this... with the EV part. I'm not okay with the way it looks. There's no need for that. I'm Sorry, really not okay with either. 
if they do an EV thing, I think it needs to be a separate series. I don't see the need to convert the whole sport to electric. And this is for reasons that not all of which I am prepared to discuss on this podcast, but (laughs) batteries don't, EVs don't solve any problems. And I don't think it's the right direction to go in a sport that's already losing popularity. With the governments, especially in North America, with the trend, I don't mind talking about this a little bit because it's fact, the trend is going that they want to kind of get rid of combustion engines. And within 15, 20, 30 years, I think that they're going to completely get rid of, unfortunately, completely get rid of the way things are going. And if we're going to let it go the way it is, I think we're going to lose Here's my problem. Here's combustion my problem engine with vehicles. So in my schooling down in North Carolina, we learned all about the measures taken to eliminate those harmful emissions. And it has gotten to the point where new combustion engines are pretty good in road cars are almost emission free already yeah my my biggest problem with the evs is the electricity still has to come from somewhere and unless everybody is putting in i don't know 50 million dollars worth of solar panels to keep those things charged they're still going to have to like do coal burning or whatever to get their electricity so that solves no problem sweeps it under a rug so plus well i i've got one more thing for this no, go ahead. The lithium-ion batteries are not recyclable, and they don't know what to do with the lithium. Yeah. So do you know yeah. where de- dead lithium-ion batteries go? They go to warehouses until they can figure out what to do with them. Tell me how that solves any problems. Mm-hmm. Well, so and this is this is a this is a greater problem. Real quick before we get that, back out of the motorsport show. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah this is a bigger problem than 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 racing. Um. I personally, this this is what I think we can do about this is that we can we just continue to say to NASCAR like as fans, this isn't what we want. You know, we accepted the next gen because you told us it was going to be good, and you know what, we're 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 begrudgingly holding on because we get some great racing. Mm. But this is this is not the direction I, we want. And, I think, and, and if they don't listen, then we just we really say we're not watching anymore. I think they um, don't watch it. I think they're preparing the CV series just to uh, get ahead of what could be some serious roadblocks in the next few years. Because I, I do truly think that this potentially, uh, and I don't think it'll replace Cup or Xfinity or whatever. It probably will be its own series. And a lot of or people will be encouraged to, to come up, into it. Really. No, like, I, I think they're they're trying stuff. to save this. I'll be honest here. I think they're trying to save the sport. And then there's going to be a group of people in 2024 that were all against it. And then NASCAR is going to die in 10 years. I think but that this is a good. The only places the only places that are saying that are California and Canada. <laughs> well, NASCAR doesn't come to Canada anymore, and they really don't go out west a whole lot. So, yeah, I mean, what are we going to lose? Sonoma and and now defunct California Speedway. Well, okay, well, we'll go race somewhere else. I don't know if that's just them trying to be very careful with the future and they're just trying to get ahead of it so that way they're no, already ready of it. they're hedging their bets and i totally understand that's just i i i'm not sure how i feel about it yeah and we'll see and they, how it works but let's be honest and say they can't answer any questions themselves unless they actually test it they, they like just saying it's not going to work is only a theory until it gets tested so they're just right. putting money at 
out of that theories. Right. Now, as we have a few minutes to go here in the show, let's give some of our predictions for the winner of the race. Um, first off, who won the first? Truex. Yeah. I think it was Truex for the first one and then Logano for the last one. <laughs> that sounds right. Right. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Because we all thought he was going to retire and then he comes to the clash and wins and we're all like, what? <laughs> it's like he doesn't win on short tracks. Yeah, with this sort yeah. of thing and, and with um you know how we see the format and and the the race in race and all that stuff it's hard to tell and especially how much contact there is it's really like just choosing a random driver i almost feel like you just kind of go with your favorite yeah cuz huh. it's hard to tell if all oh, this guy was good cuz they all run like the same I, lap times i feel like i think i think it's just survival and a guy who's good quickly, at survival I, denny hamlin Oh yeah. Oh, I was gonna say I think Austin Dillon. This just seems like a race that Austin Dillon could win because right. it, 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 I don't know why. It just it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Maybe that's just. Why. <laughs> I'm gonna go Tyler Reddick. I'm I'm that's gonna go. I'm gonna go Ross Chastain. That's a good one. Couple Toyotas. Oh, we got a Chevy. We got a, a couple Chevys there. Okay. All right. Ross is not afraid to move people out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. And it's going to be a good race, I think, even with if we get in a little bit. No matter what, um, you know, just seeing cars on track for the first time in the season, it's always nice to uh, to hear those cars back on track and mm-hmm. seeing some of our favorite drivers. I will say to that, that for I'm the first time to see how Josh Williams does because he's made a couple cup starts previously, but they were on road courses where. He's done okay in the Xfinity car, but that's not his forte. He's he's more of a super speedway, and I think short track races a little bit. So to see him in a in college is a, is a competitive car on a track that's more probably suited to him as opposed to road course. I'm I'm really interested to see how he does against the competition. His, him his up full time in Xfinity, and you know with getting this chance in the Cup, I'll be interested. Yeah, and and with with practice time setting their position in in the heat races, he has a good chance of actually being up front in a heat race and staying out front because this is a position track, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I almost feel like I forgot about all these drivers. It's going to be nice to get uh, back into touch with some of our NASCAR Cup drivers. Is there any rookies this year? Like I don't. That's I, what I'm thinking. That's like what I'm trying to all think. All the people. All the people returning are, unless Kaz Grala goes for Rookie of the Year because he's running like 25 races in the 15 Rick Ware car. Everyone else is like has ran Cup and has, you know was out and then returned. So unless Josh Williams, like even if Josh Williams doesn't expand his schedule, he's gonna be running for points Xfinity, um, so he wouldn't count. Josh Berry. Oh yes, Josh Berry. So it's basically Josh Berry is your you know de facto 2024 Rookie of the Year. So congratulations to him in advance. <laughs> yeah, he now he's got a good chance to win this race. This is right up his yeah. wheelhouse. Oh, oh yes, this is definitely his style. And Noah Gregson too. So yeah, yeah. way to Noah start it those guys. And uh, we're we're gonna have some more talk to next week on some stuff that's happened um, that we could not get to huh? in this episode. I think. Yeah, you guys. I don't know what to do for the next minute. To be honest, you guys got to help me. I got. Here. <laughs> I, I got. I got it. So yeah. there's something I want to say real quick. But we're talking about the EV stuff. Just gonna throw this out here. 
So there's two series that have already pivoted away from hybrid and electric technology. Extreme E is pivoting now to hydrogen, and WRC is going back to ICE engines. I think they're removing their hybrid. So, yeah, so we're already seeing some of these European events we are going towards EV. They're shifting back to alternative fuels and ICEs. So just just keep that in mind. If there's any concern, NASCAR is going to go full electric. Yeah, just keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, the future is well, and and strange. so did IndyCar actually and scary. in that in that regard. Their hybrid is is late now too. Mm-hmm. I think that's a whole different thing. <laughs> I think F1 will go full electric before NASCAR does, so we'll just have to see how that goes. Really, eh? You think you think so? Well, they've run a hybrid for years now. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be them. First. We're going to actually have some more F1 talk next week on the show. There's lots that has went down in the F1 world and uh, regarding the Andretti bid to get into F1. We're going to have mm-hmm. that and more as well as our recap of the NASCAR clash or if we even get one on the next episode of the Wide World of Motorsports podcast, broadcasted to you on the FM in syndication on CFMH 107.3, local FM in St. John, New Brunswick, on CKMS 102.7, Radio Waterloo, in Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario, and on your smart device on the Performance Motorsports Network app, as well as on demand wherever you get your podcasts. No, no more Radio Public. I just got that email. We're not on that... <laughs> We're not going to be on that uh, service for a couple months, but we'll still be on stuff like Spotify and all that good stuff. So check us out there. And as well on social media at the WWOMS. We're going to have lots of updates during the clash for Sunday on our social media. Well, that just about wraps it up for this edition. I'm James Jordan. Mike Wallace. The Eggman. And Damon Sawyer. That's just the facts. We'll see y'all around the bend. Adios. Bye-bye. Peace.